Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada. Ben Epstein is out and fleeing because the Sixers did not get the Lakers pick. Um, he's actually at a work event that he cannot join us with, but instead... In his place, we're going to talk about the NBA Draft Lottery. Finally, something went right for the long-suffering Celtics and Lakers. We're going to talk first with Jeff Clark of Celtics Blog. After the Celtics earned the number one pick, I'm a little bit bitter because of how the Wizards season ended, but I try to kind of keep that on the side for this conversation. And then later, we're joined by Harrison Fagan of Locked on Lakers to talk about the Lakers saving their pick, getting the number two pick, Keeping their pick in 2019, it's been a good day for them. So in the meantime, I would love if you all have subscribed to the Limited Upside Podcast on iTunes. Left us a review. We really appreciate them. Uh, send us questions anytime you want. Uh, it's at Limited Upside underscore Upside is the Twitter handle. Uh, and we'll just get right into it then with Jeff Clark of Celtics Blog and Harrison Fagan of Lockdown Lakers. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Okay, and welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and I'm joined by someone that I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of mad at right now, not because of anything he did, <laughs> but because his team just knocked out my favorite team and now has the number one pick in the draft. It's Jeff Clark from Celtics Blog. And Jeff, why shouldn't we all hate your team right now? You shouldn't. You should absolutely hate us. You should be jealous, and you should want to be us. How, I mean, how weird was this this whole month? I mean, you guys are – you have a team that's kind of pushing for the playoffs, right? And so obviously that takes all your attention. And yet there's also this carrot at the end, you know. It's a situation like – I mean, the only time that I can remember a team ever being in this situation was, what, the Celtics 20, 30 years ago, you know, with, with uh, the 86 team. So, I mean, yeah. was, it, was it weird kind of balancing, you know, those two emotions and knowing that, like, hey, this playoff run is great, but there's sort of another bigger prize here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been kind of a dual front thing for the entire year. We've been watching that the, the Nets struggle. We've been watching that Nets pick, and we've been watching the team rise up the standings. And it's it's been a a great you know problem to have. It's been it's been awesome to watch the team success. Um, I mean, there is this you know this this limited you know here I am on a limited upside podcast <laughs> talking about the limited upside of the Boston Celtics in this current iteration. And, you know, going through the draft, going through last year's draft, going through this year's, you know, trade deadline and, and seeing them not trade the pick, seeing them not trade, you know, assets in order to get, you know, I don't know, a little bit closer to, to contending with the Cavs. Um, and here we are playing against the Cavs. And, and, and now we get the number one overall pick. Boy, am I glad we didn't trade the pick at the, de- at the deadline. It's just been this, this recurring theme throughout the season is like, you know, people of other teams don't want to hear it. People of other, you know, they don't want to hear our, our expectations. They don't want to hear how, you know, we, we we expect this team to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. We expect to, we, we hope, 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 hope to win the, the number one overall pick. And they, they, they scoffed at us. They laughed at us. And, and I'm sorry, I, I got to take a, a, a short moment to gloat and say, ha, 
I'm sorry. We were right. We, 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 we got it. <laughs> I was just going to ask you if like now you have a message to the haters that said the Celtics should have traded that pick. And there you go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hate being that guy. I don't, I don't want to be typical. Boston oh man. Fan be be that guy. You can be that guy tonight. <laughs> but I, I just want to enjoy the euphoria of the moment. This is me. This is why you, you're, you want to be a fan. It's why you want to set yourself up for the future and, and you want to, win now and you want both you want your cake and you eat it too and so far we're stuffing our faces so maybe we'll lose by 50 points on every game against the Cavs but that's okay you know we're we're, we're content we're, we're we're happy with this result now do you think there's any chance that the pick gets traded now no no I I, I mean I suppose there's an outside chance I mean never say never with Danny Ainge right but right um I, I think with, with a guy like Markel Fultz, he is a generational talent that comes around once in a generation um, to, to, to reuse cliches. Um, but, you know, he, he's one of those kinds of guys that you just want to have on your team. But, but, and I mean, maybe there's another guy on the, in, the, in the draft that's going to end up being better than him. But right now it seems like Markel Fultz has the lowest, lowest floor and the highest ceiling that, that we, could, we could ask for. Um, and so, you know, yes, we've got a great team right now. Yes, it would make more sense to, to add a veteran star right now. But, I mean, you know, again, we've got this 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 LeBron James problem, uh, right. for lack of a better word. Maybe if we add a Jimmy Butler, we have a, ch- a shooter's chance against LeBron James. But, hey, maybe if we add a Markel Fultz, we add a little bit more – for for next year, we add a little bit more depth to our bench in terms of, I don't know if he's going to start or, or, or come off the bench or whatever. Maybe he's not going to be, you know, an all-star his first year. Of course not. But in, in maybe two, year two, three, four, he's going to be a, a star. And I'll take that added depth right now. I'll take the extra rotation player. He's going to be an impact rookie, I think, right coming right off the bench or, or right into the rotation. So So we'll take everything we can get right now. And in the future – who knows? And, 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 you know, it creates all kinds of, you know, questions like, what do you do with Marcus Smart? What do you do with Avery Bradley? What do you do with, in theory, what do you do with Isaiah Thomas? But to me, I, I think they can play together. I think Markel Fultz and Isaiah Thomas can play together. They've talked about playing together. They're both University of Washington guys. I, I think it can work. But, um, you know, that's just me. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little more. So you write, they're Washington guys. Uh, the one question I'd wonder about and is just that, Isaiah is going to be a free agent after next year, uh, and he's a very proud player, someone who has looked at a lot of obstacles, a lot of people saying that this guy is better than you, and you know this high draft pick is better than you, and he's beating them all out. And you know, do you think there's any threat worry that he might look at this, even though they have a closer relationship, as a threat, and that might affect how he plays coming into his contract year? I mean, maybe there's a chance. I mean, he's going to look at anything and everything and everything as as a, a slight to him. But that doesn't necessarily mean he can't play with him. You know, uh, I, I think that they could play as a you know dual point guard system. They can be, you know, Isaiah Thomas is uh, you know, hey, have you noticed he's a little bit short for his size? Marco <laughs> Fultz has his size. He has the size that you want in a point guard. So you run them both out as you know the the one, two combo side combo, you know, point guards, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they already are moving towards a small ball lineup. They're already moving towards, you know, a five out offense. Why not go an extra, extra step, put him in, you know, 
as Martel Fultz develops, you can have him out there and playing alongside Isaiah Thomas, maybe bring a guy like Avery Bradley in as, a, as the third guard, or maybe you'd start them all. Who cares? I mean, this is, this is these are good problems to have is, is what I'm you know getting at. Yeah, well, they're very good problems to have and problems that everybody is really upset that your team has. Um, but yeah, I mean, we saw it this year. I mean, Isaiah Thomas on offense kind of is like a five nine shooting guard. You know, he he's off the ball a lot more than he's right. on it. So, I mean, I, if you're just looking at the basketball fit, I kind of agree. You know, they should play together re- relatively well. I mean, Fultz is a six nine wingspan too, so he can guard most twos. He can guard the tough right. assignments. Now, I don't know if he's going to do it as a rookie. You know, as well as you'd want right. him to. Be, but you know, you look at that long term. I mean, that that actually seems pretty nice. It's just, you know. Now, if you're the Celtics, it's sort of an interesting decision. You know, what do you do? Do you pay Thomas with Fultz and waiting the wings? I mean, that's again a great problem to have, but it's it's an interesting pro- interesting sort of situation on the horizon. I think. Well, I, I think you do too because you've got Fultz under you know a, a, a great contract for the next you know whatever his rookie contract is. You know, so you balance two together, and they're and they're you know, they're still a bargain. You know, it's a bargain for his Fultz. You know? And I think you give him the max. And in the worst case scenario, that um, either you, you know down the line he, he's not necessarily worth the contract, and you try to trade him, or or you, you let him take up space. And you know, he's earned that. He's earned that that right as a as a already a Celtic folklore type of guy. And you want him on your team. You want that kind of you know guy on your team, even if he's a an albatross contract down the line. I mean, you take that. You average him out with that. Yeah, I mean the other the other thing that's really unfair about the Celtics situation, and I'm going to use that word. I mean, not unfair. I mean, anyone could have took taken advantage of the Nets, I guess, and the Celtics just happened to be the team that did it. Um, but the other thing that's really ridiculous about this situation is they also have cap space, right? So right. this whole idea well, of they like, can create cap space, but yeah, yeah, right. Yes, they could have. They potentially could have a max cap slot. You know. Uh, this summer, that's correct. And this whole idea of like, you know, do you play young or play old? Like now, it's kind of a false choice. You can maybe do both. You can maybe get a Gordon Hayward. Right. You can maybe get somebody, even if it's not Hayward, you can get another good player to kind of team with Isaiah and Al to kind of help the team next year. It's sort of a false choice now, and oh, that's so unfair. Well, I mean, it's going to be very, very interesting. And watch Danny Ainge. And you know, plug watch Celtics blog very closely in the next you know few months. If if it looks like you know we're going to take Marco Fulton, I think we are. Who else is he going to trade? Like you know, you can't keep all these guards. You know, I think you do have to trade someone. Like you know, I, if it were me, I'd want to try trade you know uh, Marcus Smart and combine him with a I don't know like a Jake Rapper and someone like someone else to get in a, another star player or just trade enough pieces that you free up enough cash to bring in Gordon Haywood. It, it, there's, these are, these are, you know, phenomenal problems to have, obviously, but you know, there's, there's so many options on the table and it's going to be very interesting to see how Danny Ainge plays it, whether or not he takes the long view and says, okay, let's just keep loading up on guys to, to build around Marco Fultz, or if he wants to, you know, straddle that line and say win now and win in the future. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays it. Well, it's an advantageous situation to have. Now, I want to I want to go back in time a little bit. I'm curious 
When the Celtics made this trade with the Nets, I'm kind of curious, like, where the pulse of the community was then. You know, did I, I imagine, did anyone kind of envision, like, the possibility of a situation like this? And, oh, by the way, they have their pick next year, too. And the Nets aren't exactly <laughs> going to be good next year. Plus, they have Jalen Brown, who really showed out in that Game 7 that I don't want right. to talk about anymore. Um, so... Did, could, did, yeah, I mean, were people like kind of upset with that trade happen? Like, I'm kind of curious now if like there's a re- bit of revisionist well, history around that trade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I was on, on some level, I, I got the, the, the rationale behind it and I understood why he was making the trade, but I still on a, on a, on an emotional level, I hated it. You know, I, we're talking about, Oh, captain, my captain, Paul Pierce, that we we're trading away. We're talking about Kevin Garnett, who brought relevance back to the Celtics away. The, these are the, you know, the, the cornerstones of the franchise that we had. Yes, we knew they were aging, but we wanted to be able to, you know, usher them off in, in, in Celtic glory and, and enjoy watching them retire as Celtics. Danny Ainge saw the, the broader future and said, hey, maybe we can get some assets for these guys. And if the Nets are dumb enough to give us all these tra- draft picks, so be it. Now, he didn't know that the Nets were going to be this bad. He thought the Nets were going to be you know, contenders for a long time. And obviously, the Nets thought that they were going to be as well. Right. They thought that Pierce and Garnett were going to be the final pieces to a championship contender. It didn't work out that way. And, you know, the obviously, you know, what happened happened the 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 picks not having picks means you can't keep developing which means you get worse and it just it just builds upon itself but i don't think anybody even danny ainge saw this snowball effect happening but it but it did and you know we're we're, we're happy to take the the benefit well the other thing too is that they they didn't have to get this pick swap this year you know, I think if they had just gotten the 2016, right. 2018 picks, that still would have been a great trade. So, you know, maybe he didn't know it was going to happen, but he had the foresight to think that it might. Maybe there's a 5% chance it happens. You know, maybe there's a 10% chance, but yeah. it, you know, they didn't have to get those picks, I think, to make that a good a good trade for them. Well, and in that sense, I think you can, you know, who knows which pick went to asset, but one of the things that they did in this whole process was, you know, the Nets wanted to get off of that Jared Wallace contract. And so they dumped him on the Celtics and the Celtics said, okay, we'll take him if you throw in another pick. And I don't know if it was the pick swap or one of the, the last year's pick or whatever, who knows which pick was associated with, but that's one of the things that we did. And that was a, a you know, a shrewd forward thinking on Danny Ainge's part because he knew we weren't going to contend for a couple of years. We can eat that contract. Who cares? So it was kind of like a, you know, a hinky like move before there was hinky. So Yeah, I imagine he probably didn't think that they would be a 53-win team this year because obviously they reverse course, they get no. Isaiah in the trade, they get Jay Crowder. You know, I'm sure he didn't think that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. I guess Celtics fans can now comfort themselves knowing that, you know, yeah, Pierce and KG didn't get to finish their careers there, but they basically created a second dynasty in a sense. Maybe. God, I hate that I'm saying that. Well, Paul Pierce just tweeted out that he he said something along the lines of, you know, on my way out, I left you with the with the number one <laughs> overall pick. So he's, he's, he's doing his own little victory lap. Meanwhile, he left the Wizards with one second round playoff appearance that was very memorable. Um, <laughs> we should probably talk a little he, bit he about that series. Baskets for you guys. Hey, it was a fun year. I'm just saying that he left, as he probably should have, given his tenure there. He left y'all a great present. We should probably briefly talk about that series. You know, I. 
I think like a lot of Wizards fans are frustrated because they feel like they had the better team. They just didn't have the better depth or the home court, or they missed a chance. You know, I'm curious what what the Celtics fans kind of see with that series and with that team. Like, is there a sense that they kind of dodged a bullet, or were the Wizards? Did the Wizards were they not as good or in as good a position as I think some Wizards fans thought? Well, I mean, first of all, all the respect in the world to the Wizards and Wizards fans and, and Bullets Forever. Love you guys. This is a great series. I enjoyed it immensely when I wasn't, you know, biting my nails off. Um, <laughs> it was an, it was a very even series. And Celtics had home court advantage, and that gave them, you know, that much of an, of an edge. And maybe that was all the difference we needed. So it was a very even series. And, I mean, you can talk about who had the better team, whatever obviously the wizards well maybe not obviously but you know in theory the wizard has a better better you know starting five but i think we had a better bench so who has the better team maybe the team who won i'm I'm sorry to be the one who says that but you know wow we we won really (laughs) (laughs) sorry no 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 i mean i'm I'm, i think you're right yeah i mean the team that won that's the only measure we have right now (laughs) like unfortunately and maybe maybe the Wizards, in, in an alternate reality, are the better team, but who cares? I mean, it, it's, it is what it is. They were both very evenly matched, and I'd love to do it again next year. So, you know, as, as, as contentious as that series was and as, you know, as fiery as it got, I, I actually ended up liking the Wizards more and having more respect for them throughout the series. So, um, that's interesting. I think that's what I need to say. That's interesting. I don't know if a lot of if everybody shares that opinion, but um, it's it's kind of no, it's sort of fun. I I found I found that I respected both teams a little bit more just because I I, mean, I just wrote about it at different points. Like they they're one in the same. They really are kind of two teams. Same same thing. It's like the black and uh you know the black and uh, white and the blue, or the white and gold or whatever. Oh, let's not talk dress. about black anymore. The, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay, so you know the dress dilemma, right? Um, it's sort of what it felt like. You know, they, everybody. You look at the same thing and you see two different teams. Um, I'm kind of curious though sure. if if the Celtics lose Game Seven or lose Game Two and then lose in Six, does the feeling about tonight change at all? Um, you know, you know, maybe a little bit because we would have missed out on our opportunity to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but. You know, we're still set up for the future. I mean, this year, it, it, what happens now, everything that happens now in the next series against the Cavs is all gravy. You know, we, I would have, you know, there was polls going around on Twitter and things like, you know, would you rather get to the Eastern Conference Finals or would you rather have the number one overall pick? And I always pick number one overall pick because I know the long-term benefit of that could lead to further championships, which is, you know, in, in Celtic lore, that's all that matters really, right? But, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would take that, but at the, you know, having the cake and eat it too, that's, that's great too. If we had not had that, if we had lost against the Wizards, you know, tip your hat to the Wizards. You guys played a great series and, and you know, you did a great job and, you know, whatever happens, happens. So uh, I think it would have diminished it a little bit because we wouldn't have lived up to our expectations and proven the doubters wrong or whatever you want to say. But at the same time, if we got the number one overall pick, we're set up for the future, and that's kind of the end goal. By the way, I did see that um, Jay Crowder said nobody picked the Celtics to win their first round series and their second round series. You know, I'm not sure about that. that was a <laughs> bit. I think some people I mean, did. The Celtics definitely like to play the underdog role, and they definitely play it a little bit over the top. But you yeah. know, whatever. 
I mean, this reminds me of when Alabama was like distributing fake news headlines to their players to motivate them uh, for the championship game. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing to keep in mind, well, the two other thoughts is that like, I don't know if things change if they lose to the Bulls in the first round. I mean, maybe that would be more devastating. But on the flip side, let's say you make the trade for uh, George or Butler and you lose the number one pick and then you still lose to the Cavs. It probably feels a lot worse than if you had lost in the second round and kept the pick. So I think in that sense, it kind of worked out. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, you know, a lot of people hammered Ainge for, for not making the big trade and, and not failing and holding on to and actually hoarding his, his assets and things like that. But, you know, we, we can't really know what he turned down unless we necessarily, unless we know all the offers that were on the table at the time and and now in hindsight we can look back and say well maybe that was a good job maybe it was a good idea if he had you know uh, all of this is based on luck though i mean if the ping pong balls you know bounce poorly and we get the fourth pick did ainge do a good job no i mean i guess not but this is the chance that he took and it paid off you know basically it was he, he was gambling on percentages and luck and and we and this time we won that's that's what the lottery is. It's all luck. I, I had my wife. My wife was watching it, and she was like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." Like, why do they just parade up there? You know, she's a sport. You know, she's a sports fan. You know, she she knows what the lottery is. It's just like, well, this is the dumbest thing. Last thing, did you have any good luck charms that you'd like to share that worked out that maybe uh, could be used for other purposes? No, nah, man. I mean, me. I just you know, I try to go about my normal day. I kissed my kids goodnight. I gave them all my love. And then I went downstairs and I sat on Twitter like everybody else and said, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Well, that, that'll that do it. I, I had a lot more good luck charms to the Wizards that failed. So maybe I need to take your approach next time <laughs> for Game 7. Jeff Clark, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And congratulations, even though you're now about to be the bane <laughs> of the league's existence for everybody else. Just really jealous. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Much love to everybody out there. And I'm sorry, but I'm happy. <laughs> well, you don't let us take away your happiness. Um, we'll be right back. We're going to have the and the other big market team that finally caught a break, the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to talk mm. about them with uh, <laughs> with Harrison Fagan and Anthony Irwin from the Lockdown Crew uh, and from Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, we'll be right back with that. Okay, we're back with another team that finally got a little bit of luck. Just never happened to them in in NBA history. And they finally got a little bit of luck. So congratulations to the Los (laughs) Angeles Lakers for the number two pick. And we have Harrison Fagan from Silver Screen and Roll, Locked on Lakers. Harrison, this has been a nerve-wracking few weeks, right? Yeah, it's definitely I think the assumption here was because the Lakers had like the third best chance to get like the like 
you know, the third worst record in the league that they were going to lose their pick because all it would take was one team jumping in and it kind of knocks them out. And so I think the assumption among like Lakers Twitter has been like unusually despondent. I mean, even considering how down they've been the last couple of years. And I know that that sounds. Yeah, like, no. I'm so sorry you had, two, you had two bad years. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous <laughs> to most like general NBA fans listening to this on limited upside because this is a limited upside locked on Lakers pre, uh, you know, crossover episode. But so for most like general NBA fans, that sounds ridiculous. But the Lakers have been really, really bad the last couple of years. And so but even so, like fans kind of seem to keep hope until this year when they went on that five game winning streak and Phoenix overtook them for the second worst record in the NBA. Like people have been were down. And I think pretty much since then, the majority of people on my timeline, even Anthony and I said on last night's podcast that we assumed they were going to lose the pick. We thought it was over. And so for them to jump into second overall is kind of incredible and shocking although I guess really it probably shouldn't be well the hilarious thing is that they jumped because they won five in a row because if they yeah. hadn't they would have had Phoenix's ping pong balls and Phoenix fell to four so I remember when when the Wizards were in the lottery in 2010 and I remember attending like a really meaningless last second game they won because of Cedric Jackson I think it was like it was like what the hell are you doing like you're costing us lottery balls and only doing that allowed them to get John Wall so sometimes life has a funny way of working out yeah, I mean, they had like they had people saying like trade these guys, get rid of them. Like they don't like they don't understand what's best for the franchise. Like this franchise is incompetent, and I guess it just goes to show that sometimes this stuff works out despite you know what were kind of bad tactics. I, I mean, you could I guess you could say it was bad tactics, but honestly, Luke Walton and the Lakers were doing everything that they could to lose those <laughs> they games. Sure like, they were. Beat, yeah, like they beat. <laughs> Spurs with I think like Russell Ingram and Randall all sat out the entire second half of that game they won it with like David Nawaba and Tyler Ennis like killing it down the stretch and so I mean I don't, at the, that was the point where I was kind of you know what else do you guys want them to do guys you know they're winning with D-League call-ups and guys that were available in a trade for Marcelo Huertas like they, they can't tank any harder than this <laughs> Well, I guess I could just lose, but yeah, I mean that was yeah. The I mean they could just forfeit, like they could just not show up to the arena. But barring that, there wasn't a whole lot else they could do. I mean, they basically sent their two highest paid players home with no explanation other than rest for the. Well, it's debatable whether or not that helped or hurt the team. That's a good efforts. point. That's a very good point. <laughs> now they did. They did also like sit Nick Young at different points and play Nuaba at point guard. They obviously sat their key players, and yet they won. I wonder if this is a lesson that from the lottery gods. Uh, to everybody play to win at the end don't play to lose like the suns did things will work out for you yeah i mean i think i guess that's probably the only lesson you can take away from this right <laughs> not mathematical randomness it's that the lottery no. gods intervened they saw that the lakers were still playing hard down the stretch and trying to win games and then they saw the line they saw the lineups that the Suns were trotting out threw up a little bit and then got back and decided that they needed to get, have their pick dropped to four. Yeah, and they finally decided that, well, the long-suffering Lakers fans finally needed a break, so we're going to give it yeah, to you them. Know, They've had the second overall pick two years in a row now. So you know that means that they had like two bad seasons in a row. They really needed one more second overall pick just to kind of just to kind of reward them for that. Well, 
it was hilarious watching Joel Embiid and Magic Johnson sort of trash talking each other on the dais <laughs> where they, I, I they really panned him. I thought it was hilarious. They, they needed to have recorded a podcast up there, just the two of them. Like, and that would that would be better than this, honestly. Like, I I would love to know what they were talking to each other about and saying. Yeah, did you uh did you see the picture where it's Magic Johnson smiling and Joel Embiid like kind of giving him the stink face? No, I didn't I think, see that. I think it was like kind of in the middle. You know, Embiid is not really a smiler. He's like a funny guy, but he kind of is one of those people that, you know, says his joke and kind of keeps a straight face. And yeah. Magic, obviously, like, if you if you say hello, he'll start laughing. <laughs> you know? Like, he's just <laughs> yeah. a very gregarious person. And so they have this shot of them, like, in the middle of that conversation where he has a stone face and Magic is laughing. And it's it's tremendous. And it's going to be a part of so many different memes t- to come, I'm sure. Okay. So I somehow missed that one. But the picture that I did see that I thought was really funny, and I know I'm, like, 99% sure Magic didn't mean to do this. But he took he tweeted out he – did, he did his Magic Johnson Twitter thing where he says, I had a great time at, you know, place where these pictures are of me in. <laughs> and he's just like, I had a great time at the draft lottery with Rob Palenka. And so the first picture is them smiling and giving a thumbs up. And the second picture is Magic Johnson in the room where the lottery results were, where he was standing on the post. And whatever, and he's giving a thumbs up, and behind him, oh, I see this now. Embiid with his head with his head down. Like, <laughs> there's almost no way Magic went to do that, but it meant to do that. But if he did, that's amazing. That's Wait, how do we know? Time. Like, how do we know that that wasn't like them coming out of the room? I mean, we have no idea. That's I mean, I totally that kind of looks intentional. It, it look. I mean, for him to pick that picture is kind of awesome. And it, there's, like I said, there's like a one percent chance Magic was trash talking Embiid in the Sixers, but I'm choosing to believe that one percent chance. <laughs> I think it's higher than one percent. I think it's like twenty percent. But um, we're gonna talk <laughs> about serious stuff with this number two pick now. But one last thing I want to bring up to you is, uh, I believe it was a month ago or so that Luke Walton said in an interview that Magic assured him they would keep their number three pick. So my antennas immediately went up when I heard that. Uh, what do you? What is your thoughts now that they did keep the number two pick? Did Magic know something that we didn't know? Was he just trying to speak it into existence? I, I mean, if if it's my honest answer, I think he was trying to speak it into existence. But you know, the inner Laker fan inside of me is just assuming that they're too important to be allowed to fail by the NBA. So that whole like when him and Rob Polinka went to New York to learn the collective bargaining agreement from Adam Silver, my conspiracy theory is that that was all a ruse. And they went in there and they were just letting Adam Silver know, you know, it would be a real shame if his second most valuable franchise was to languish without, you know, this this first round pick and the 2019 first round pick like that'd be that'd be pretty bad for the league if a team like the Lakers like that was allowed to happen. So Mm. I don't know was the fix in. I'm not saying I saw like little like waves of kind of cold emanating from the Lakers envelope, but <laughs> no, hey, I'm not you, saying I didn't see that either. You heard it here first. Uh, Lockdown Lakers reporting that there was a conspiracy to give the Lakers a top three pick. Um, so there I'm you go. Laugh when somebody aggregates this, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this podcast is important enough to be aggregated, but that would be great. Um, anyway, the. This was a huge deal for the Lakers because there were two picks on the line, and now they have both of those picks. They probably will have they will have to trade a 2018 first round pick, of course. Uh, that's yeah. The, the 2018 one is Philadelphia's now, no matter what. Yeah. So there's that, obviously, and who knows how good they are. But considering everything that 
is on the table for the Lakers, in particular a certain uh, player in the Midwest that uh, harbors feelings towards his hometown team. I mean, what do they do now? I mean, is it a slam dunk that Alonzo Balls is going to be the number two pick? I think so. I, there's been so much. I mean, it seems like him and Fultz, I'm not really a draft guy, but I follow kind of people who I trust throughout the year that evaluate this stuff. And it seems like him and Fultz are pretty clearly the one and two, and they've been that way all year. So I would kind of be surprised if Lonzo wasn't the pick because I don't really see the Celtics taking him with all of like the his open desire to go to the Lakers. And then there was this report tonight from, I think it was Ramona Shelburne, but I know it was, I just know it was somebody from ESPN that Lonzo may only work out for the Lakers. And so it's hard not to assume that he's just not going to end up there. And you know that LeVar Ball is going to be going on every single radio show, podcast, TV show. Maybe this one. Hey, LeVar Ball, you want to come on? We'd be happy to have you. I'm behind Locked On Lakers. (laughs) Okay, fine. You You get dibs. Yeah, so but he's going to go everywhere and say and talk about how much Lonzo wants to be a Laker and how much the, his fa- their family wants him to be a Laker. And it seems kind of like a foregone conclusion at this point that he's going to end up in Los Angeles. Well, that would be fascinating because then what happens to the man that was numbered the first of those three number two picks that you mentioned earlier, D'Angelo Russell? I, the Lakers experience. I don't know how much Lakers basketball you subjected yourself to towards uh, the end of the season, Mike. But uh, let me check my spreadsheet. Hold on. <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> I keep going. You actually have a spreadsheet where you keep track of this. And not that many but, at the end of the year, though. I'll give you that. They, they well, they shifted Russell to the quote unquote two guard. And while a lot of his role was still the same in that two guard role, and they had Jordan Clarkson play the quote unquote point guard, and it really wasn't that different, but it kind of was at times. I, I don't know. Maybe they played a little bit differently, but I don't think their roles were that different, if that makes sense. And yeah, right. uh, like Russell just seemed more willing to shoot, he was like less hesitant and less looking around to make a play or whatever. And so he seems to be okay playing. I I think ideally you want someone that can handle the ball and shoot a little bit and play a little bit off ball alongside Russell because I think he's at his best when he's not having to do either one of those two things exclusively. But, you know, it was about the most predictable thing in the world was that as soon as the Lakers ended up with this pick that like immediately trade rumors about Russell were going to get started. And that's what, what happened. I think it was like maybe 10 minutes after we figured out that the Lakers had kept the pick. There was Jake Fisher of Sports Illustrated was reporting that there were teams gouging like what they were deciding what they were, what Russell was worth to them and in, in a trade package. And Ga- so like, gouging, like, gouging or gauging. They were gouging their eyes with the possibility of having to get him they, they were getting ready to gouge the lakers maybe I yeah yeah that that's that <laughs> i i write i don't talk for a living the talking is like a secondary thing I see. so okay yeah so so i guess it was really predictable that those talks about were are they going to trade russell were going to pop up right away i don't think that they necessarily i don't think they i definitely don't think they have to and i don't know that necessarily it's that easy that they're like okay we drafted this guy as a point guard two years ago and then there's this new guy that's a point guard and so we have to get rid of the old guy i think that it would make sense for them to try and see if those two can play alongside of each other. And I think that there are reasons to hope that they can fit pretty well, because from what I've seen of ball, he, he does spend a fair amount of time off the ball and he can shoot a little bit. And so it's kind of the ideal backcourt partner that you would want for Russell. Now there are definitely defensive problems there, but the Lakers are going to have a lot of defensive problems pretty much no matter who they draft. 
Interesting. Interesting. I, I would not have expected that. I would have thought that this is kind of it for Russell. But you do make a good point. I mean, ball certainly shooting guard size, and Russell is can play off the ball. So that will be really interesting to see. And it's well, not like – so as somebody who watches this from like a more national perspective, like, like what are your thoughts on Russell? I mean, the last Lakers game I watched was March 28th. Uh, so you are more of an expert than me. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have a good handle on him. I think, you know, he was injured this year, right? He, I don't think he was at his best. Um, so there was that. And I haven't really seen a ton of explosion or burst or amazing playmaking ability that I expected, but he's still only 21 years old. You know, it's, and I think it's also, it's awkward when you put two young players that are trying to establish themselves at the same point guard position in particular, because I think that's very much a, there's gotta be a guy type of position. You know, that's a, like a quarterback. You know, I think we've seen a lot that it's really hard to have two point guards, but you know, then again, the Lakers don't necessarily have to figure that out right away. But on the other hand, there is a Paul George threat looming, um, and they don't have their pick next year. So what is this? I mean, let's, I'm just asking like, the most basic question ever. Like, what is the fact that they have these two picks now mean to the Paul George situation? Well, I think it does increase the chances that they trade for Paul George for sure, because if they had lost this pick and then they're losing the 2019 one, too, because if they had let it, they would lose the 2019 one. If they had lost this one, then all of a sudden you're out two first round picks. Do you really want to cash in multiple assets to trade for Paul George with no clear path to kind of improve the roster around him and no other assets to like throw into other trades for guys to improve the roster around him? But I think now that they have this extra 29. 19 pick whether it's you know ball or whoever or whether they look to you know they let another team make the selection and then they trade the pick when they're allowed to trade the pick then I, I think I just think it makes it more likely that they do trade for George because you can say it's really easy to say why not just wait for him it's clear that he wants to end up in Los Angeles you can get him for free in free agency but well, that's I what I would have said yeah, well, that's what I would have said. Like, why not wait? I mean, especially now that it looks like Boston, I imagine, is going to keep their pick. It's not like they're going to trade it for Paul George. I mean, I guess they could trade the next year's pick for Paul George. You know, you would think that if Boston maybe got the second or third pick, that would add another suitor. Like, why not just wait for Paul George at this point? I, I guess if Boston's out of the picture, which I guess I'm not 100% sure that they are, given what the Lakers would be sending Indiana's way, I still think Boston would be able to trump it. Yeah, that's but, true. I mean, I'm not saying they're definitely out of the picture, but I think maybe they're um, on the frame, on the near the fr- closer to the frame of the picture, perhaps. Yeah, but if Boston's out of the picture, then yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot of obvious teams that are going to trade for Paul George. But I guess the counter to that is how obvious was it that New Orleans was going to trade for Demarcus Cousins or th- like these things? Just sometimes the the right the two teams they talk to each other at the right time when one of them's in the mood to make a deal like you never know and then if Paul George ends up happy wherever he ends up then all of a sudden maybe he doesn't want to come to the Lakers anymore and so I could see why they'd be motivated to get him in the building and kind of just get him in their hand now but at the same time I I do see the counter argument and I would kind of be partial to it of just like don't give up assets wait for free agency and if he doesn't if you end up missing out on him, then that's also not like the end of the world. You can still find like other guys with this cap space to, uh, to you know, to go after. Or you can use these young players to trade for a different guy at some point. Or you can see what they turn into and kind of give them patience and see what they grow into. 
Well, that, that's the other thing. Like, they don't have cap space right now, right? I mean, they'd have to offload some some pieces to create cap space. Now, if Paul George says, "Yo, I am coming," they're gonna do it. But they haven't. They don't have the cap space at this point, right? They they have they could get their way to like almost max cap space this summer, and then they'll have a little bit more next summer if they hold off on a Randall extension. Well, but that's the thing. They have to hold up till next summer. The, the other thing yeah. that's a little bit different than the Boogie situation is that Boogie had one additional year still left on this deal. That's George. true. That's true. Of course, the other big event that's coming up this week is the All-NBA unveiling. And if Paul George makes the All-NBA team, that would give him the Pacers the ability to give him a massive uh, veteran extension. I think that add $50 million more or something to his uh, to his future. Yeah, and that something- would not- it's something crazy like that. I know all Lakers fans are pretty much openly rooting and tweeting at media members to not vote for him and trying to get it's like it's funny to watch that fine line between like everybody wants Paul George, but then everybody talking them into the to Paul George wasn't a top 15 player this year. There's no <laughs> way he'll make the first team. Yeah, that's right. It's like, hey, we really want this top 15 player, but only we get to know he's a top 15 player, not the rest Paul of the George world. is going to lead the Lakers back to the playoffs, but he's not like a top 15 player in the league like no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bizarre situation. All right, so we're thinking Lonzo Ball for sure is probably going to be the pick. We're thinking this obviously helps the Paul George pursuit. That's good. Um, is there anything else like on the table for the Lakers now that they have this pick that wasn't available to them maybe before this lottery? No, I don't know if there's anything specific that's on the table now other than that just they have another young promising player that they can do stuff with like be it a trade or watching or just adding them to this young core and I think it's just like a dose of positivity for a franchise that hasn't had enough of it. That's right. The long-suffering Lakers fans finally needed something to cheer about. Uh did you yeah, have a- been out of the playoffs for like 5 years, man? That's right. Yeah, five years. Um, that's, a, that's a really long time. I can't imagine a team rooting for a team that's missed the playoffs for five years. Like, who would ever there do something five, like that? There are five-year-olds that have been born that have no idea what watching a Lakers playoff team is like. That's true, yeah. I mean, like I said, like who could have spent their formative years rooting for a team that never made the playoffs and was irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Like, why would anyone do that? I'm sorry you grew up a Wizards fan. That was your choice. <laughs> it wasn't my choice? What do you mean? I don't know. You you picked your team. No, I I didn't pick my geographical location. Um, did you have any good luck charms, by the way, that worked? I personally did not. But An- Anthony, who is actually, it's funny, he's known to our fans of this podcast and to just people on Twitter as kind of a Kobe hater. He's someone who was very kind of vocal about the farewell tour being a waste of time. Why is Kobe still playing? Like he's tired of people talking about Kobe all year this year and this summer. And then, but his good luck charm was a Kobe Jersey that he sat Mm. in throughout the entire, throughout the entire lottery. And I believe he popped it on Facebook live like Kobe used to do when they kept the pick. So yeah, he, he had a good luck charm. He's there, right? Isn't he like kind of there? He's in the background. He just laughed at me at me uh, talking about that. Does he want? Does he want to defend himself? Anthony, do you want to defend yourself? <laughs> He's he coming over. He's making us dinner right now. I'm not making this up. Okay. All right. Well, not Anthony's, me. I'm not. I don't have. I'm not getting dinner. Yeah, not for you, but sorry <laughs> for, for me and his wife. But here, he Anthony is jumping in now. So wait, what was the question? Do you do you um, have any comments on your good luck charm tonight? 
that Kobe is better as a as a good luck charm than any of the good luck charms that like any like there are Phoenix Suns fans out there who wore Steve Nash jerseys and I get to once again remind them that Kobe is better. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Now, is that how you felt about Kobe during his last season in the NBA? Oh hell no. No. I was I got I'm the guy who like every time Harrison messages me about like some new Kobe aggregation article that I have to write. I'm the guy who like he has to apologize while he's telling me about this aggregation article. I, I wind up having to write. Um, so yeah, I mean my my thoughts, my feelings towards Kobe in this last like year or so were basically the exact opposite of what how how I felt you know after his Kobe jersey wound up winning the Lakers. I, I'm willing to report that this jersey won the Lakers their pick. I'm, I'm willing to go. <laughs> now, you could have also worn a Steve Nash Lakers jersey to rub it in the face of Suns fans. You could have See, done but that. Like, I, I could have, but Steve Nash did more damage to the Lakers organization as a member of the Lakers than he ever did as a member of the Suns. So, <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's hard. I guess it's kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, so <laughs> na- na- they won. I guess they, they won two. Pick, he didn't do that much damage. <laughs> well, temporarily. Well, they they won two first round series over the Lakers. So, but they were first round series, and then obviously the Western Conference Finals in 2010, the year the Lakers won the title. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. I feel like yeah, it's a I, tough call. I, I mean, people are going to freak out and say that that was some like terrible hot take or whatever. But I, I, I mean, when you really do the math. Nash, the reason people were freaking out tonight, part of the reason people were freaking out about this pick, or no, I think this was the Dwight Howard. No, this was the this Nash was, trade. This, this was, was the, the last trade, like, effect of the Nash trade. This was, I mean, the all of the stressing that went on in Lakerland, in La La Land, was had to do with Steve Nash. Like, that's just, it, it probably took a good solid year off of very many people's lives. Oh, I'm so sorry that the Lakers they lost a year because they were bad one year. I mean, I keep saying that because it's it's a trigger for you, I know, but like, that's just how I feel. The, the, the Lakers and the Celtics getting the number top two picks. This is what I'm thinking tonight. I feel like I feel like you're a little extra like the grudge is a little extra deep because the Celtics just knocked the Wizards out of the playoffs and then get the number one pick in the in the draft. Like that to me would annoy me way more than anything going on with the Lakers. Yeah, you're getting a little bit of residue annoyance, I'm not gonna lie. Um <laughs> all right, you got you got any final thoughts on uh this? Uh do you recommend wearing Kobe jerseys for every game now as a good luck charm to help the Lakers win? Oh, I'm never taking this off. Okay, this that, is this is smart. going to be this is going to be a part. Like you're going to see me uh, for Vegas Summer League, and I'm going to be sitting there in this. It's going to be a really ugly and dirty dirt Kobe jersey by that time. But <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be showing up in it. Like he's still wearing it. He 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 kept wearing it to cook dinner at the risk of stains. Yeah, I almost Harrison had to convince me to keep my pants on, but okay. I'm I'm glad he did. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I, I could have handled. It. I'm pretty Any, sure I just burnt uh, Harrison's shiitake mushrooms. So well, it was nice talking to you, though, Mike. It was it was, and I, and honestly, I was really pulling, like not just because I hate the Celtics, but I was really pulling for Washington because I think Wall is like the second best player in the. Eastern okay, Conference. all right, all right. You don't need to suck up <laughs> to me there. Thank you, though. Thank right, you, though. You Thank you, though. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry we couldn't get Ben on here to kind of get mad about the Sixers. He's in the middle of a long conference, but he sends his frustrations, although I guess things kind of worked out for the, the Sixers tonight. 
in a sense. I, I was they they kind of did, but I was very excited to troll him over the Lakers keeping their pick, and now we're gonna have to have him unlocked on Lakers separately just so that we can do that for like twenty minutes, just like yes. see how mad we can make him. Well, you definitely should. Um, this has been. The Lockdown Lakers uh, limited upside crossover episode. Uh, if you're listening to limited to Lockdown Lakers and you want to hear the first part of this limited upside podcast, while wow, this is confusing, I'm sorry. With uh, Jeff Clark, a Celtics blog, you can. Uh, ben will be back soon, uh, hopefully. Uh, in the meantime, Harrison Fagan, Anthony Irwin, thanks you guys for joining us. All right, thanks for having us, Mike, and thanks for coming on our podcast too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is like crossover thing is a little strange. All right. Well, thanks again. We will see you next time here on the Limited Upside and Locked on Lakers podcast. <laughs> <laughs>